Welcome to another episode of the Living Wild Podcast. I am Brent Philbin, and today's episode is going to be presented to you in conjunction with the Ancestral Mind. The Ancestral Mind Podcast is hosted by the Wild CEO, Colin Stuckert, and we thought today's episode was equally as important to the Ancestral Mind audience as it was to the Living Wild audience. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about one of the primary ancestral principles that Colin lives by, how he decided on that principle and what it really matters. This is episode number three from the Ancestral Mind podcast. This is a long time ago episode. It is about real food. Real food, real ingredients. It is what Wild Foods was founded on. And we get to learn about that process today and why it was so important to Colin. So, if you've listened to all of the Ancestral Mind podcast episodes, you may have heard this one before. If you have not, we know that this podcast is worth your time. It's valuable. Listen, check it out, and you will agree with us. The next episode of the Living Wild podcast, brought to you in conjunction with the Ancestral Mind, begins now. It's complete and utter, utter nonsense. Why, Brent? Why? Why, Brent? What? What? Because <laughs> it was the rhetorical. whole fasting and everything. It was rhetorical. Welcome to the Ancestral Mind Podcast. My name is Colin Stucker, founder and CEO of Wild Foods Co. and the AncestralMind.com. I'm here with Brent Philbin from Crypto Basic Podcasts. Our producer and co-host who needs to figure out how to work audio here. <laughs> uh, Colin's really salty. I'm salty too because we just recorded 45 this episode minutes. and noticed most of the way in that we weren't going to be able to use it. So we had to start. We had to start over. We're committed. So we're, we're going we're again. Here, we're here now. You're still going to get that same great content. In fact, I wasn't even being particularly funny. So I think I screwed up a little bit. I, I need to toss in some more dad jokes. Okay. Well, on the Ancestral Mind Podcast, we're here to cover all things health from an ancestral perspective. We want to help you build an ancestral mind so you can think about the decisions you make on a daily basis while considering the first principles of what makes you a sexy human animal. And I often dwell on the fact that I'm a sexy human animal. Do you we, find yourself looking in the mirror and thinking the same? Yes, but no. My name is Colin Stuckert. I moved to Austin four years ago to start Wild Foods Co. after my past life as a gym owner, blogger, and juice bar owner. Brent likes long walks on the beach, or living on the beach and not walking on the beach, I should say, because that's oh, what it was yeah, like when I used was, to live with him. I think I, I lived on the actual beach when we lived together at, at that place. You went there I think once I went or there twice. Maybe once or twice. The second time I lived there, I went there a lot more. But Also, what's a funny fact about yourself or anecdote that's not... 10 minutes i do tell long stories really you can't come up with one thing well no i you put me on the spot and, it, and and it's it's crazy i once got a hundred and i'm sorry not once i i got 178 people in trouble in school twice on two separate occasions very far apart but those are long stories so i can't i don't even remember what they are but i'm not gonna ask you about them right now at one time there we videotaped some parties and one time we passed out the answers to a test they were even completely different things so stay tuned for a future episode when brent will share each of those stories <laughs> and also do us a favor and rate us on itunes while also leaving us a comment like feedback whatever you can send emails to ancestralmind at gmail.com or info at wildfoods.co that's dot co 
Brent, last episode, what did we talk about? Well, the first one we did, we talked about our environment. And then the last episode, we gave the big picture overview of the different areas of living ancestrally and having that ancestral mind. Yeah, we did. It was kind of just like a big overview of the concepts of uh, evolutionary biology, of the mismatch concept. And it's basically about how humans lived in the wild 12,000 plus years ago before we invented agriculture and we changed everything. Before we had technology, iPhones, toilets, grocery stores, we lived in the wild our entire lives, usually with a small band of other humans. And it directs everything that makes the healthy or unhealthy human animal is by mimicking how we used to live. And today we are completely mismatched, completely backwards. We go into all the different ways that is. Today's show is actually about food and how our food system, how much we eat, and then more importantly, what kinds of food we're eating that is completely mismatched. And as a result, we have a 40% obesity rate. We have about a 60 to 70% of Americans are overweight and other countries around the world that are becoming more industrialized and affluent like China and India are having increased levels of obesity as well because all the big food companies are going in there and just messing shit up. It's a sad day when they're catching up to us. We're not going to be the stupid fat Americans anymore, Colin. No, eventually we're going to be a global species of fat, dumb people. You made me think of a question that I have for you. You you said that you mentioned toilets as one of the things that we invented. Do you have a squatty potty? No, because I'm flexible enough to just squat on the lid. Wait, so when you poop, you squat on the lid? (laughs) Yes. What? (laughs) How have I never seen that before? How have you never seen me poop? Well, yeah, but I feel like I should have gotten some pictures I am going to try now. That's my new mission. The Squatty Potty gave me the the idea to even do that. And then I'm like, oh, well, wait, this is the way to do it. And then if you actually look at the way they, like in China, when they have the toilets that are basically on the ground, ground, everyone's squatting, right? It's a natural way to do it. uh, Because when you're a functional, healthy human, you can usually squat ass to grass. And if you can't, it's because you're in disrepair. Yeah, you're not I using, certainly can't. <laughs> you're not using your body, your limbs. You're not moving enough, et cetera. And that's just another mismatch. You know, we'll do – maybe we'll do a whole episode on posture and things like that. Uh, but today's episode is sponsored by Wild Foods Co. Get your obsessively sourced real foods and supplements from trusted suppliers around the world. Check out our full selection of superfoods over at wildfoods.co and use code AMPODCAST12 for 12% off your entire order. Brent, what's your current favorite wild foods product? And I know you haven't tried many, but I know there's one. At yeah, least. I've, I've tried a lot. I The one that I use the most is clearly the MCT oil. I put that in a lot of things. I have been reading up on the benefits of that. And it's all good. And as we'll get to later in the episode, when I had some stints in when I was doing ketogenic diet, the MCT oil was super helpful for getting into ketosis faster. Yeah, and you can also cook with it. I put it in my butter coffee, things like that in the morning. It's a great all-purpose, all-around oil that's also good for massage and some other things in the bedroom. If if you were if you know if you want to experiment, that's something. <laughs> uh, it's not really our approved use, but you would probably approve using it that way. Well, I feel like maybe Wild Foods should have a subsidiary called Wild Sex, and maybe we start with MCT oil-based Wild Sex products. Sam would not be happy because we have to focus. Okay, focus. <laughs> Stop talking about sex, Colin. All right, let's get into today's episode all about real food now we did 45 minutes until my co-host who's a who's i I don't have the words for him but we lost 45 minutes of 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 me doing a lot of the talking actually so for him it probably was fun and funny and so i'm still a little salty about that but we're going to keep this to (laughs) two episodes yeah we're gonna break this up because it's a long episode anyway so this is gonna be like part one of, of of 
of food, of real food, of, of nutrition. And then part two, we'll just figure out wherever we left off, we'll get right into it. And so the overview we have today, I'm going to list, list these off real quick. We got realness. We got number two is as close to you as possible. Talking about uh, food should be local, ideally about food should, should not be stored and travel long distances. Then number three, we talk about cooking a little bit. What are the best methods of cooking? What, what cooking methods to stay away from? Number four is all about the things you should be avoiding the most, particularly sugar and grains. And then number five, we're going to touch on the difference, differences between keto and paleo. And that's actually going to be probably, maybe we'll end there or that'll be where we pick up on the part two of this show because we could kind of go on that for a while, actually. That's, that almost deserves its own show. Even just the keto diet itself, because oh, we're going right to definitely now, have our uh, full show on keto, yeah. especially with Logan being a likely. Yeah, guest. we'll do it when Logan comes on the show as well. And so I guess we'll start with those. We'll go from there. So before we lost all that awesome footage we had, Brent, what did we talk about for the first point? Well, we, t- we talked about a lot of things, but the first point that we're trying to make is make sure your food is real versus processed or unreal like i don't know what the right term is yeah not real not real food right the number one thing that you said for that was making sure that your food on the shelf does not have a very long shelf life because the longer the shelf life for something that might not be a single ingredient item the more likely it is that that is going to be further away from an ancestral style yeah food further or away real from food. nature it's going to be more likely to have preservatives it's going to be more likely to have been heated heated or treated or even treated with radiation, things like that. Like a lot of spices actually go through a low dose of, um, it's called uh, non-irradiated, it's irradiation, I believe it's called. And I think it's a low dose of radiation. And they use that to kind of like kill pathogens or whatever. But, you know, these are all things that can be done that maybe there's a little thing on the label that they said they did or, or maybe they don't even tell you. And basically, the further away from its raw natural state, the worse, usually the worse it is. And so you want to avoid foods that sit on the shelf for long periods of time. And we use example of Zombieland and the Twinkies because <laughs> Twinkies basically last forever. And you don't, and that's, in fact, someone I read recently, some guy had a, uh, a Big Mac that he left in his garage, I think for like a few years. And it must've been, it must have been like wrapped up or something, but he went back to it. It looked exactly the same, and they and he and he ate it, and it was fine. Apparently. Wait, what? Yeah, he ate it. He or at least he took a bite and he said it tasted the same, right? And so that's a perfect example. <laughs> whether that story is true or not, that's a perfect example of fake food versus real food, right? Real food should go bad. Now there are some exceptions here. Something like organic cocoa powder, which is a very shelf-stable ingredient. Yeah, you can buy that, and it can sit in your pantry for a long period of time. Uh, you know, even like organic white rice—that's a grain. And you know, we'll we'll kind of talk about rice at some point, but that is something that can store well. It's a single ingredient. It's not multiple ingredients. It's not a manufactured food. And you know, there are certain exceptions there. Now, we also talked about Brent the difference between a whole food and refined ingredients. Do you remember what? differentiated those two well the the basically the refined ingredient set is the 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 more stuff you put into a an item whether it be a soup or whether whether it be even just an apple and you start adding stuff to it the more stuff you put in there the more likely you are to find a problem along the way so you i, I yeah. think i'm going i think i'm going in the right direction here well you're answering a different question but the question was refined versus whole. First, define that. Let's define that. Yeah. And defi- you don't really put things in apples. Define that. I'm going to say it wrong. <laughs> okay. So whole food would be an apple. 
And then what would be a refined part that you could get out of an apple? Oh, okay. So you could take the, the fructose out of the apple. You could take okay. the fructose or the sugar, right? Yeah. Or if you took even apple juice, right? And you remove all the fiber and all that, and you have just the juice, which is basically water and the sugar, right? And maybe right. you have a little vitamins and minerals in there, but that would be the difference between a whole food and a refined food. And so the number one food added ingredient in the world in the food processing industry today is, do you remember? It is... High fructose corn syrup. Well, it's sugar. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's sugar. Sugar. And fruit, high fructose corn syrup is a form, another form of sugar, made you know, made from corn, basically. Like an even shittier form of sugar than regular sugar. It's even worse. It's even worse. Uh, And what's funny is they high fructose corn syrup actually has, I believe, it's fifty five percent fructose, whereas regular cane sugar or beet sugar, which is the bulk of when you see sugar on an ingredient label, it's usually cane or beet sugar, Right. right? It's still it's still fruit sugar. It's fifty percent fructose and 50% glucose. High fructose corn syrup, though, is, I believe, only 55% fructose, right? That Just that 5%, right? Now, it's made from corn. It's not good for you, and there's a lot of other problems with it, but it sugar and high fructose corn syrup, for most people, are the same thing. Right. And, and sugar is in everything, literally everything at this point, okay? And so when we talk about realness of an ingredient, I was talking about whole foods versus food that is basically manufactured by a company by taking a bunch of refined ingredients and putting them together. Now, like a piece of Wonder Bread, right? It's going to have like 40 ingredients or whatever it does, whatever it has. And each one of those ingredients is a refined single ingredient. You know, you have the grains, you have, I don't know what else goes in Wonder Bread, but it's a bunch of crap. Like you have all, <laughs> that, you have all that stuff that they then put together and make this piece of bread, right? And then you have, on, on another hand, you have something like, you know, Chicken, which is ingredient one, one chick, it's just chicken, right? Or, or an apple that doesn't even have an ingredients list, right? Or a pear or whatever. Now that's kind of the, the primary difference between processed refined food and just whole food. If, and I'm going to make a bold statement here. If everybody simply started buying and eating whole foods. Also, I want to clarify, we're not talking about whole foods, the business. We're talking about whole foods the foods that are type whole, of food. Yes. Yeah, foods that are whole, it would pretty much fix the obesity epidemic overnight. It would do a few things. It would also put a lot of pressure on those companies that are making the choices to We would change the food industry. Yeah, we would literally change the food industry forever. In the food, yes. There any but as with all of those things, it's a commons tragedy. Are you familiar with tragedy of the commons? I've read about it quite a few times, but go ahead and the, um, remind me. The remind trick the is on a commons tragedy is it, recycling is like this, or um, maybe maybe even like going vegan or global warming. Any of these things, it's or voting is another common example. But basically, the right thing to do is for everybody to do the thing, but no single person's action has any obvious mm-hmm. effect so right. the the tragedy is that most people won't do a thing because they don't see the effect of them doing it and they don't get consequences for not doing it so you can kind of cheat you can be the person who never does the dishes and makes your roommates do them because you just never do them and they'll eventually do them and wash your dishes or well, no, you don't have to go vote because yeah. people are voting anyways so there's somebody who's getting elected i don't know if that thing. applies here though because most people and if you look at the food industry, it is changing. But because the dollars matter, corporations pay attention to their margins. They, you know, the stockholders pay attention to the profit. Also, new companies that sprout up to serve a lot of these keto, paleo, whatever, these these new demographics and these new trends, 
Well, then investors invest in those companies and they make more money and then they grow. And then the food industry is like, oh, well, I'm going to go buy up that company or we need to do some R&D to, to make sure we take advantage of this wave. So like if it was just one thing you could do, like like if it was very black or white, if it was very binary, I kind of understand. Like voting is like kind of like you do it or you don't, right? Well, it's- you either eat the whole foods or you don't. And then if everyone ate in that same manner versus right now the majority of people eating in the manner of I'm eating the thing that tastes the best – and has the most sugar because it tastes better that way, then it would put the pressure on the companies that are making the choices to add the high fructose corn syrup and stuff like that to your food, and they would have to change what they were doing too. So well, it, would, it, it would change it everything. It is happening though. I mean, that's why you want to know who's buying up all the small organic food companies that are like are following these trends. It's all the big food companies mm. because they, they don't even know how to do the RD&D, so they're just literally buying them up. RD and D, they do the role playing. They're, I'm the fighter. You're the fighter. We need a we need a bard. So this is definitely a tangent, but I think the point is, and also you have the secondary uh, side effects. Like if you're going to be eating that food, you're going to continually every year gain a little, few more pounds and be a little bit sicker and have to take more pharmaceuticals, and then eventually you're going to get a preventable disease and it's going to shorten your life. And so you know there are other variables here other than just like let's change the food industry based on what we're paying for, or whatever. Also. The other point is not only do you not give these companies your money, but you actually support the other small companies. And as they grow, like I said, they get the attention of investors. They get the attention of other consumers. And then like with enough time, I think we're going to increase a lot of these different demographics and we're going to really change the food industry at least to whatever ceiling we're going to hit. There's still going to be the majority. I think at this point, the majority of people like in the United States, for example, or in China or India, when they get fully when they're fully into a food industry and have industrialized food, there's going to be the bulk of people that want to buy cheap food that don't care. That's just going to be a part of that's always Or be, that's all they can afford. I mean, yeah, eating that, healthy that's another, is no, really expensive. Well, I'm glad you said it that way so adamantly because we'll have a whole show on that because that's not exactly accurate, especially when you factor in other variables. Also, when you're cooking and you're batch cooking, buying in bulk, when you don't have to go to the doctor, when you don't have to have expensive health insurance, there's a lot of variables that come into play. It might seem cheaper right now, but over the long run, eating healthy is always yeah, no, that, better that's, that's and, like, and more yeah. price of, price effect, effective. So number one, again, is the realness. So as little processing as possible and buying whole real foods and avoiding things that are in a box of packages that sit on the counter and that have long ingredient lists. This is just a good heuristic to have. It's avoid as many of the manufactured foods as possible. You have anything to add for that? That's the big actionable item you're talking about here. You're saying like, I almost call it this, stay on the outskirts of in a normal grocery store. The outskirts yeah. is where you're going to find the meats. It's where you're going to find the the vegetables, yep. the fruits, and that that kind of thing. If you stay out there, you've got more of a chance of getting the right things than if you start going into the middle aisles and navigating those landmines. There's not much in the middle of stores, anyways, that you uh, that you want. Yeah, like there's very few things. Okay, number two, uh, close to you as possible. So this is the idea of local food. We talked a little bit about organic, not organic. We talked about some of that in the show that we've lost. We'll have to like refer to this as like the show we lost, like the, the <laughs> no, land before time or something. <laughs> we, we're talking about the same thing. I'm going to be talking about this for years <laughs> to come. Like the episode three, the show we lost. We were talking about getting to know your farmer, asking them questions. There's a lot here. But the first thing is the reason you want to buy local is because food that's perishable. And that's, again, food that, that would be on the per- perimeter of the grocery store because it has to be refrigerated. You want those foods to be as close to you as possible. You don't want them to travel because when they have to travel, they need either extra preservatives, they need extra heat, or they need extra things done to them to make them safe for travel. 
Did you know that they'll literally will ship apples when they're green and then spray them with ripening chemicals? So by the time they arrive at their destination, they've ripened like crap like that. Like, and you can taste it. Like almost none of us have had a really good organic apple off the tree. Like it probably would taste like unlike anything you can even imagine. Right. And you have all this crap produce in the, in the, in the grocery store that's been shipped halfway around the world. Uh, so getting to know your farmer and finding out what they do, things, what they believe, asking them questions and having a relationship with the people that make your food is just going to be the number one thing that people can do. And of course, raising your own food is even great, even better, but, uh, that's maybe something we'll visit later on. Yeah. Cause for most people, Colin's going to get some chickens soon. Chickens, goats. I want to have some, some beef. Uh, we're gonna do a lot of, a lot of cool things. I, I wanted to throw in a little anecdote here because I feel like you're the first person who's talked to me about the distance that food needs to travel to your mouth. But then I realized it's not the first time I've thought about that. I feel like I can't be the only one who thinks about this. But beer, when you talk about how Corona tastes different in Mexico mm-hmm. or the Guinness factory actually specifically rates how far away the Guinnesses need to travel from their factory f- to give them like a, r- a flavor rating. We've heard that. People have heard that before. People have specifically thought about that when they're drinking beer, but not when they're drinking regular food. So that's kind of interesting. Obviously, Colin doesn't drink beer, but um, that is – it was just a random little thought that I had. So that applies to to actual food as well. People pay more attention to their beer and their wine and their alcohol than they do the freaking food. Yeah. Right? It's it's a perfect example of just how disconnected we are from even knowing anything about our food. It needs to become cool. It, yeah. To know more about your food because right now it is cool to be like a, oh where did that where did that porter come from yeah is is that is that the local brewery or are we talking about a brewery in another state yeah yep all right let's move on to so we close to you as possible oh and again the same disclaimer I gave in the show that was lost that's what we're gonna call it the show that was lost and <laughs> was. If this is not going to be all encompassing, so we're just dipping our toe into the kiddie pool on all these topics. There's a lot that we can do on these. We'll, we'll cover pool. a lot more later on, but don't get frustrated if we didn't explain it fully or if you have any questions or anything like that. In fact, we want you to send us feedback so we can cover some of these things that you might be fuzzy on. Now, when I talk about these things, for me, I will probably gloss over things that might be basic because I, to me, they just are knowns, right? But to you, it might be something that you've never even heard or you don't have a full picture of. And so it can kind of create some dissonance in your brain. I want you to send me those questions so we can make sure to answer them. That helps us tremendously. It helps us with focus. It helps us with giving you the content that you want. And you can get us that feedback by sending us an email to info at wildfoods.co or ancestralmind at gmail.com. Anything you'd like to add before we move on, Brent? No, send questions as much as humanly possible, even if you think they're stupid. Because if they if they are legitimately not something we want to put on the air, we're still going to answer it. Whether we put it on, on air or not, we are going to send you an answer to this question. So you will be able to help yourself in your nutritional journey. I'm not very knowledgeable about a lot of this stuff, so I'm going to try to ask Colin the important, important questions on air. Mm-hmm. But... We need help from you, the people, the ancestralites. The wildlings. But this isn't a wild podcast. Yeah, but they're still wildlings, all man. Right. We're all wild peoples. And, you know, everyone likes Game of Thrones, so might as well just use it. <laughs> all right. Number three, cooking. Use slow cooking. Stay away from high heat grilling if possible and smoking. Uh, don't ever blacken or burn your, your ingredients. That Anytime there's black, 
in the cooking process is almost always carcinogens in there and slow cooking and doing things at a slow at, at as low temperature as possible is always going to be treating your ingredients better it's going to reduce you get any of the the free radical damage or any of that other stuff that can happen as a byproduct of cooking uh, that said cooking is very important to open up a lot of nutrition to denature proteins and to basically give us access to nutrition that we wouldn't been able to get through get from raw food and do not be fooled by the raw foodists. You literally cannot survive on a raw food diet. Kind of like you can't really survive on a hundred percent plant-based diet. But again, we'll talk about both of those probably at a later date. Right. It, it, we, we started living more as a species when we figured out fire could cook our food and stop it from having all of the possible diseases that might've been attached to it. I had an interesting anecdote here of me and my food preferences that, I feel like people might not know this, and, I, and Go it, it. kind of fits. Cooking food changes the chemical makeup of the food. I have two specific things. One, a friend of mine was telling me how he handles getting diarrhea on while he's traveling. And yeah. he had this list of foods. It was like bananas, and there was another thing. And then he said toast was part of that. And I'm like, toast? Why didn't you just say bread? And he's like, because it's not the same thing. I, re- I realized, oh my god, yeah. We, like Obviously, when you cook something, it changes. So toast has properties that will help you be more regular. That bread doesn't. Not that we recommend either of those things on the Ancestral Mind podcast. Yep. The second thing is I've always had this weird disconnect where I hate tomatoes but love products that use tomatoes like pizza sauce or spaghetti sauce. Right. There's a chemical in tomatoes that only a very tiny percentage of the population can taste and it makes them taste rancid. And when they're cooked, they secrete the chemical. Hmm. So that's why some people will like uh, cooked tomatoes, sun-dried tomatoes maybe – or they like pizza sauce or ketchup, but they do not like a, a tomato on their yeah, sandwich. Yeah, and you want to know why some plants have to be cooked? It's because that's how you remove the toxins. Yeah. So cooking is huge. I just read, I believe it's called Catching Fire. It was by a paleontologist who pos- is, is postulating that the thing that really helped humans evolve or homo erectus to homo sapiens, et cetera, was our control of fire, which allowed us to cook food, which allowed us to get more more access to nutrition from meat, from starches, et cetera. It's, there's definitely some good stuff in there. I've, I've actually heard some counterpoints to, to his theory because he kind of figures that we – by getting access to fires when we really rapidly evolved, but I've heard counterpoints that said we actually were already evolving before we had access to fire because you don't really need to cook a lot of meat or fat from animals and you can still get a ton of nutrition. And so his book was focused on because we need to eat starch to get start like starch in the wild, any starch whatsoever plant material, you have to cook it like in the wild. Like you just have mm. to, to, to really get the nutrition that you need to survive as a human animal. Right. But we had so much access to meat and fatty fish, things like that, all things that you can eat raw, which kind of pokes holes in his theory. Either way, it's, it was a really good book, fascinating read. And there's a lot to be learned uh, just going deep and da- down into our evolutionary past to understand. Now, we don't have all these things figured out. And a lot of, you know, it's just hard to really pinpoint timelines and things like that. But if there was something that was, that you could that you could signal as a first principle, it would be humans have to cook. I mean, we've been cooking for a long time. And we also really, really value cooked meat over not cooked meat. And that, or actually any, any food. Because... Mm-hmm. It's the reason we love like a charred steak with the mallard reaction on the top and the caramelized sugars and things like that. There's more nutrition in cooked food that we can access. And this is actually something interesting. You know that if you eat a hundred calories of raw food, Brent, you will not actually be able to absorb a hundred calories. 
It's actually almost like a way to eat less calories when you when something is raw. Oh, so I should be eating all raw foods. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely help you. It's actually really hard to gain weight. There's been a ton of research done with people that he mentions in the book that try to survive on a raw food diet and they had to like eat all the time and then they still felt hungry all the time and they lost a ton of weight. Interesting. Like, like they couldn't keep weight on because there's just certain mechanisms in cooking where you have to denature certain things and unfold certain things and give your body access to certain nutrients that a raw food diet just doesn't let you do. The only thing I prefer raw is fish. Like most fish, I, mm-hmm. I would prefer raw. Yeah, I agree. Raw. Let's get into things to avoid because we could talk about this for a while. I'm going to actually save differences between keto and paleo for the second part of this episode because this one's going to be a little bit bigger. Avoid sugar grains. And then I have here legumes and I would also put lentils and white starches or actually just a lot of most starches to be honest why should people be avoiding sugar and grains what, what do you think brent well number one the sugar is super addictive and also in my experience anything with sugar or grain is significantly more calorie dense for a smaller portion so if you are trying to eat a real number of calories if you're eating things with sugar you're eating way too many just because a small little thing with sugar in it has way more calories than a small little piece of meat or whatever the case. So that's Most off the top of my head. foods that contain sugar and grains are highly processed manufactured foods. Makes sense. Okay. I mean, you can't eat grains without processing, right? Like, it's a, you can't. You, you, would, you would, like, throw up. You wouldn't even be able to eat it, right? Grains require a lot of processing to eat. Sugar, you can obviously get in fruit, but that's not where most people get it. Most people get it in drinks. They get it in cookies and ice cream and other things that are a bunch of ingredients put together that have sugar thrown in to make it taste good and are not good for you. And they are fast digesting. And that's another thing. And that's like, we can talk about that for a while, but like when you eat an apple, you have fiber and you have, you have, you have to chew it and you have other things that kind of slow the absorption of that sugar into your, into your body. When you drink a Coke, there's nothing <laughs> Go straight in, right? Like literal. And that, speed actually makes a huge difference. Like if you were to eat an apple and I think they've done some research about the, the absorption rates of things, but let's say that apple takes two hours to kind of get through your whole body. Well, it could take two hours to absorb the, you know, 20 grams of sugar or whatever it is. But if you, if you drank the same amount of Coke, you literally have that into your bloodstream, into your body causing damage within like minutes, like, or even seconds. Like immediate response, mm-hmm. and that de- that determines insulin response. It determines which, which then you know brings you down when you crash. Which uh, insulin's primary mechanism in the body does a lot of things, but one of the primary things is a, is a storage hormone. And so the faster you spike insulin, and the more glucose that gets into your bloodstream faster, the faster it is more likely, and the more likely it is to go to fat cells. And that's that. Like again, we'll we're gonna have a whole maybe a biochemic uh, biochemistry episode where we talk about fat gain, fat loss. We talk about why calories in, calories out is, is kind of nonsense. And, you know, I'm, you know, calories matter, but they don't matter the way people think and they don't matter as much as you'd think. Uh, and so that's why number four, avoid grains, avoid sugar, avoid legumes, lentils, and these other things that are very carb dense that cause high insulin and high blood sugar responses because, and this is a heuristic, again, I'm not covering every part of this process, but the more insulin and the more blood sugar that you have in your body and in the shorter period of time, the more likely you are to gain fat. So this is why the heuristic for everyone should be the more sugar I eat and the more carbohydrates I eat, the more likely I am to gain fat and, or the more likely I am to prevent my body from burning 
fat. And this is what people don't understand. And this is where the whole like eat seven meals a day thing when they used to tell you like that's how you stoke your metabolism is complete and utter, utter nonsense. Why, Brent? Why? Why, Brent? What? what? Because <laughs> you don't know. We, I'm going to keep going. We're going to go into the, it was the whole fasting and everything. It was rhetorical, but oh. the reason why <laughs> is because even a little bit of insulin in your body, a little bit, basically halts fat gain, loss, fat, fat loss. It halts fat <laughs> loss. It, it because insulin is a storage hormone. And so like the whole like eat six meals a day, even if they're small meals, well, every time you're spiking your insulin because when you spike your blood sugar, your insulin has to come in. Oh, this is this is cool. Let's get into it. So did you know that your body maintains, I think it's like five grams of sugar in your whole body at any time, like your blood sugar really? levels. Yeah, it's like really, it's really small. And so glucose in your blood stream, anything above or below that regulated amount is considered poison. So what happens when you drink like a bunch of sugar and your glucose goes up really high. Well, your insulin comes in and has to put it somewhere. Do you know where that glucose could be shuttled to in your body? Then you say the liver? Liver's one place, but there's other the another really big other place too. Muscles. Oh, okay. So glycogen. That's where you can store glucose for energy for later. And now that's kind of one of the ways where like if you have more muscle mass, it is protective a little bit against obesity because you simply have more places that glucose can go, right? But- and you burn more resting calories with massive Yeah, muscles. that too. Once your muscle is filled and your liver is filled, right? They both compete for for storage of of glucose. Fructose is actually goes straight to your liver. So your liver competes with glucose and fructose, which is again why we talked about like sugar is so bad. Once those are full, where do you think they go? Where do you think extra stored glucose goes or fructose in your body, which is basically energy, fat. Yep. Yep, for those at straight home that can't fat. see this, I just grab my belly and shook straight it. Straight to Fat. And that's why, because of that. And so here's the thing. Most people, they, almost every time they eat, like they, they're filling up all of their muscles and all of their, li- and all of their liver, liver storage and immediately burning fat or, or storing fat. Right. So, and, and this is why keto is getting people results, right? Because it's really mitigating a lot of that glucose transporting around the body. And it's reducing the amount of glucose that is being stored in muscles and liver, and which reduces the likelihood that you store calories and fat. And the reason keto also gets results for people is because it lowers insulin so much and manages insulin. And when the only time you can burn fat is when insulin is low. Like if you have high insulin levels, you will, and this is why people that do like the severe calorie restricted diets, like they can't, they can still eat 500 calories a day and not lose fat. It's because of insulin resistance, right? And so, and then even people like the biggest loser, even when they eventually lost weight, they're just sheer, basically starvation. They gained it all back because there's some other mechanisms like body set point and leptin and these other things that they basically didn't allow their body to really adapt hormonally to be able to maintain that weight loss for a long period of time. And so that's why like yo-yo dieting and things like that, like for people, it always causes problems. But, but fundamentally, it's all about hormones. Most, this is something people don't understand or they don't really pay attention to. And this is what always perplexes me about people that try to, that like ignore hormones or talk, or talk about how carbs don't matter or whatever. Like the only thing that stores or releases body fat in the human body is based on a hormone process, right? Like that's the first principle. We can agree on that. Yes. Right? Of course. Okay. So in the food kingdom or the food, just food in general, the number one thing that dictates hormones is, do you know, Brent? Uh, whether you pay her or not. Pay what? Whether you pay her or not. Pay who or not? To is, make, are you trying you to don't want to make a, If you want to make a hormone, you don't pay her. Hormone? 
You totally lost me. If you're, if you're going for a joke, it's right over my head. <laughs> How do you not get this? I don't get it at all. You, I shouldn't have. If you want to make a whore moan, no. you don't pay her. PG-13. Oh, you're so dumb. <laughs> oh, my God. What a moron. This is my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. The number one thing, food-wise, that affects hormones is... Let's try this again, Brent. What is the number one thing that affects human hormones in the human body? Carbohydrates. Okay, carbs, yes. Yes. That was fast. Okay. I, I was going to get there. Do you know what effect fat has on hormones? Dietary fat? Um. Well, it, as far as I can tell, it probably does. It When you start burning fat as opposed to burning carbohydrates, it probably would have some hormonal well, response that i don't know about but eating fat though what what does eating fat do I, this, it, to me that would seem neutral but i don't it, know the it answer is, to that. It, it's it's neutral but it might it may even help buffer hormones so it might even help regulate oh okay which is why they say eat fat every with every meal right protein affects hormones but only a tiny percent or a smaller percent compared to carbohydrates okay these again these are first principles of biology like when you eat a carbohydrate this is what happens to your body. When you eat a gram of fat, this is what happens to your body. When you eat a gram of protein, this is what happens to your body, right? And if you put them on a scale, if you map them out, carbohydrates has the highest hormone response out of anything else you can eat. Okay, obviously alcohol would be its own thing and that, that you know, topic for another day. What is at the base of our food pyramid, remember? Oh yeah, the, the food pyramid, the the beautiful food pyramid, the, the bottom being the bread and the grains. And, and what stuff are the, what's like the that? primary macronutrient in bread and grains? Car- carbs. Carbs. So, yeah especially fast digesting white carbohydrates that aren't found in whole foods. So they're not protective in any way, right? They literally go right into your blood. They've already been highly processed for you by a machine or a company or whatever, which increases the insulin spike, increases the blood sugar load. And it just like, when you start thinking about these things and talking about them, it all starts making sense. Eating small meals, eating a carb-based diet. Like you can see how literally based on Your human biology that is universal for all of us. Can't you see how backwards that is? I mean, like, what do you think? Like, isn't that insane? I have a, I have a random question for you that came up in the middle of this. How do you feel about those cold pressed juices that are in like all the healthy stores? Cause I had a long argument with, uh, with Lockie and RJ about this. Okay. Well, where I tried to tell them that it was not healthy to tell me what their defense was. What were they saying? I remember looking at the, what they had there and it was it was a cold pressed juice that was like 400 calories or something like that i remember telling them i'm like that is not a healthy thing to drink mm-hmm. you drinking that makes you think you're drinking something healthy because you got it out of the part of the store that looks healthy but you're not and they're like how can it be unhealthy if it's just juice from from fruit basically so i and i could be wrong but i it's hard to be a fat guy and try to tell somebody something is not healthy because they're just going to look at you and be like, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. I know all these things. I just don't choose to implement them. Let's think about this. So I'm going to give you the ancestral explanation first, and then we're going we're gonna to get into just the basic biology and the chemical and the hormones and all that. And that's how we'll end the show. So this is a good good thing to, to go on. So they so they grabbed a, a juice. So you said it had 400 calories. So it probably had- I'm making that up. I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot of calories it probably for had, a small thing. It probably had like 40 to 60 grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So based on our discussion so far today, what is the number one thing that contributes to fat gain in it the human animal? Is sugar or carbs in general. Well, and carbs are sugar. Yep. But it's in our category. But yes, it's sugar and carbs, right? Now, what 
in the sh- in the carb category, what contributes to fat gain even more? It's a carb, but it's a different kind of carb. The f- you're talking about fructose specifically, and fructose is sugar. So you could yeah. say sugar, but it would be fructose, right? So if you have a purely white st- white starch, so like a potato, for example, it's going to have the same amount of calories. It's going to be a fast digesting carbohydrate, but it's going to have zero grams of fructose, mm-hmm. right? If you have a gram of fructose or a gram of sugar, I should say, it's going to be fifty percent glucose, fifty percent fructose. Now, why? Is sugar more likely to contribute to fat gain based on what we've talked about today? Creates more of a hormonal response when it's processed. Well, actually, the hormone response could be the same. And sometimes white starch has a more of a hormone response. So it's actually another mechanism I'm thinking I'm looking for. And a gram of sugar, right? How is that processed in your body? Okay, what's a gram of sugar comprised of? Fifty percent fructose, fifty percent glucose, and fifty percent glucose. Yes. So which which one of those molecules can only be processed in the liver? Fructose. Yeah, the fructose can only go in the liver. So if you ingest Let's say you ingest 40 grams of sugar. 20 grams of glucose can be processed and used in your body and all the places we talked about. But 20 grams can only go to the liver. Right. Right? So if you fill up your muscles real quick or they're already filled from your last meal or whatever it is, right? Which is the case for most people. Like most people aren't active enough to actually deplete their, their glycogen stores. So there's already a limited area in the body of where this fuel can even go, mm. right? Since you're limited by the fructose, only the fructose can be processed in the liver and stored in the liver, you are limited even more. And when you're limited by the storage, what happens when you run out of storage for glucose and it, or it, fructose? It's stored in your fat. Immediately in the fat. It right. literally, it's like, it's like a bucket. It gets full and then all the extra just spills over and turns magically into fat. Mm. Okay. The number one thing that contributes to fat gain in a human is what? Is ingesting sugar. 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 Period. More, just yeah. sugar. That's the easy way to think about it. Literally just sugar. And then obviously... Like if you like, do you know that agave is like ninety five percent fructose? Really? It's even it's even worse than straight like beet sugar. Yeah, oh. because it's got so much fructose. So don't ever buy honey. Even has a lot of uh, fructose. It's like eighty or eighty five percent fructose, which is I'm not a fan of honey at all. A little bit here and there is not a big deal, but I'm not a, not a fan of honey. And then now that is the those are the mechanisms, right? These are just like biology and what happens when you ingest a food. So that would at least right there tell you that that thing that's straight sugar right <laughs> is not good for you right especially for people that like those people were probably already overweight or yes. or trying to lose weight or whatever right it's even worse for them okay? right now so i i want to get to more parts of that argument which would you if you're your gun to your head you have to pick one of the two which is better for you to drink a can of coke with less sugar and less calories or that entire cold pressed juice uh, I don't know if Coke would be a good example because, you know, we don't even know what else they put in Coke, but I would probably say the Coke because they had less sugar and less calories mm-hmm. more, more and even more so just less sugar. If you, yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough one, but what would be the thing least likely to cause, to cause fat gain or to prevent fat loss? It would be the Coke. Right. For sure. hundred percent. Hands down. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Not that we're saying you should be going out and drinking Coke. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't know what like the, 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 be- the better net health benefit over the long run would be like, and maybe it is a fruit juice, fruit juice, just because we don't know what they put in Coke. But as far as fat loss goes and preventing, um, fat gain definitely would be the fruit juice would, would cause more damage. And that's why juice fasting and all that, all that crap they oh, sell the, complete yeah scam uh, that, that, what was that documentary complete uh, scam that sick and nearly dead there, there's somebody like told me you have to watch this it'll change your life and i'm just watching it i'm like wait what yeah 
Yeah. He didn't like, yeah, if you drink your food, it's you're gonna lose weight because the, the this is insane. This and, is the most unhealthy thing I don't I'd ever well, seen. And there I think a lot of that is if it's like with celery juice or, or or greens, that's one thing. But the juices where they're tasty sweet juices with thirty to forty grams of sugar in a serving, no. Absolutely not. Not good for you in any way. And you don't need to spend seventy or eighty dollars on a freaking week of juice fasting. It's just garbage. And, and you Pure did a garbage. lot of research on this because you, right when cold pressed juices started becoming a thing, you were thinking of opening a different company that yep. was. I think we were going to call it Rock Juice or something, but yeah, it was. I still uh, like some. I I like juice, some juices in some ways. I actually like nut milks better, uh, but it's just hard to to do them without them. Without adding sugar to make them sweet, you know, right? Like you can do like stevia, monk fruit, and things like that, but it's just hard to make drinks. Uh, so, yeah, that's why we didn't do that company. All right, because... sweet tangent. That was a good one. Now we're worried with that. So you were defending, or you had your friends that said that, and we established that it's not healthy because it literally is a liquid fat gain. They should just yeah, call it liquid fat gain. That's what yeah. that's what fruit juice should be. And obviously, fruit juice. Most people kind of understand this point that fruit fruit juice is not a health food. It is a refined food that is literally pure sugar. Oh, this is what we're going to do. So I was going to give you the ancestral reason for explaining fat gain and fruit and all these things. Okay. Okay. The ancestral reason for this is food in the wild or fruit, I should say in the wild is available at a limited time of the year. Generally. Right. It's also when when it's it's in season. It's when it's the most ripe. That's when it's the tastiest. That's also has the most fructose. Okay. Now we've already established that fructose is like auto fat. It's pretty much what that does. Why do you think there would be a lot of fructose? And why would this, the fruit be so super sweet at a very select time of the year? Uh, the, I think I know this. The trees need to spread their seeds or something That is like that. a mechanism. That's the mechanism that the, that the, the fruit itself uses or, or the plant itself uses to ro- pro- procreate. Yes, that is that is absolutely correct. But... And so I guess it's not even the purpose, but what would the byproduct be for us that so that we would adapt to gain fat? This is basically it. Like we adapted to gain fat when we had access to fructose. Right, because it was not the winter for the most part. So we it was were before getting, the winter. Yeah, we were getting fatter right. to store more energy for the winter when it was harder to yep. get food. And so here's the thing. Mother Nature basically figured out like, oh, well, fruit is around a certain time. And, you know, it's just, we can't really explain why Mother Nature did this, but we basically adapted so that when we would have access to fruit, which is a lot of times available before winter, when it's the juiciest and sweet, sweetest and has the most fructose in it, we would eat this fruit, we would store fat, and we would be able to more likely survive winter. Because why, ladies and gentlemen, in the wild, fat is a survival tool. Correct. So... I mean, it literally explains it, right? And and that and that's why today fructose is in everything. Yet we're only designed to eat fructose sometimes, and all these nasty byproducts of fatty liver and obesity and whatever is a result of having fructose uh, and obviously glucose and sugar, and then even carbs they cause problems too, as the bulk of our diet. And it just um, it's it's bad news bears, bad news bears. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Because it is now 10 p.m. And I, <laughs> I should be home. And this was supposed to have taken one hour. And it's now taken two. And so let's wrap up with what to expect. I will say. Episode. I want to say this. Our second version of this episode was way better. Like we were more <sighs> focused. We had 
more appropriate tangents. You may not think that because we left that on the cutting room floor, but I'm telling you this this podcast had a better flow, and the people are going to appreciate this content more, and they're going to let us know that they appreciate this comment by giving us a good rating. I'm going to, I got one word for you. Confirmation bias. That's two fucking words. You. <laughs> I know it's two words, and I was just wondering if you'd catch it. Well, so personal life stuff and rants, that's fine. We can just go on this real quick for whatever energy I have left until I decide to stop. So you got anything? No, I didn't. I, I didn't have anything ready. I ingested a couple of personal things, you know, going, going into that, going through that. So um, that was, that was it. The, uh, the Super Bowl, you know, I don't know when we're actually going to release this episode, but the Super Bowl was last night. It was the most boring Super Bowl I'd ever seen. Yeah. Um, and you, for all that's you, what happens when you put a vegan behind the quarterback. For all of you that want to win at life, say no to sports and public <laughs> entertainment because it's just a distraction. It's, I always equate things like soccer and football to the Roman games that they created to literally keep the mob entertained from their harsh existence. Yes, that's you know? why we have... And it's kind of the same the way it is today. You a know, lot most of people, things. Most people are zombie walking through life. In fact, that's what I want to talk that's about. That's how they distract us from the 1%. I want, to talk, the- I want to talk about... I want to talk about something. I want to talk about mindset and how you literally create your reality based on what you think. What do you think about that? All right, I'm, I'm down to create a reality. Let's I go. have been frustrated because trying to... And I was thinking of analogies for this because I've been trying to motivate people and get them to think a certain way and do all these things. You know, people just don't come around on your watch. Like sometimes they come around, sometimes they don't, right? I, I feel like the way to probably get people to come around, even though this is the hardest, most frustrating way, is it's almost like erosion. Like you have to be the way that constantly pounds on the rock until eventually the, their layer of like nonsense, resistance, whatever is weathered away until then you can get to the inside and then they'll like open their mind. Changing like, a core belief is next to impossible. It is any very long term. Anything, process. any beliefs, not just like even big ones. It's like, and, and I think most people don't, they just don't realize that. Oh man, there's a lot of things, but I think, I think the big one, this is the big one. Every single successful person in the world, every single person that's ever done anything or whatever, they are just a human and they're fallible and they're nothing special. They might've done something special. They might've worked towards something special, but they are still a fallible human being. And there is no reason that you can't do the same thing or, or your own thing or whatever it is. And I, and I see people always feeling like that these famous people have it figured out or that this person that's more along the path on, you know, is, is somehow this mystical special person that, they like need that has the permission or, or has the right to do these things or has the right to go out and make money and do things and buildings. And it's like, that's complete and utter nonsense. And people limit themselves based on, on th- these, these, these mindsets, like this way of thinking. And it's really, it's frustrating to me because we need a lot of people. We need a lot more people to open their mind and be willing to take risks and do things. Cause that's the only way we're going to change the world. Maybe we'll solve this global warming thing. If not, people like got out there and actually did something about it. Yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. Mentioning the global warming thing, do, do you ever watch South Park? Well, they made fun of global warming like years and years ago when Al Gore came out with an inconvenient truth. Yeah, and they just busted on Al Gore like crazy. They they made him this like super douchey character, and he would always go around being like, "Come on, guys, I'm super serial." They just released an episode earlier this year 
literally just apologizing to him. <laughs> the whole episode was the kids had to apologize to Al Gore because they didn't believe in Man Bear Pig, which was the incarnation of climate change. Uh-huh. It was pretty cool. That was their core belief on climate change changed. Yeah. And they made it a very public thing. They're like, look, yeah, we screwed up. How we many years did that take, though? It took it took a lot of years. Now, they said some things about it, but didn't really, like, very specifically go in and change it. Because South Park's whole thing is they've been libertarians from, like, day one. And they, they think that if you really care about anything, it's not cool. So they, they'll attack any religious group or anybody or PETA or whatever yeah. if they have, like, a massive overarching dogmatic belief. And uh, at the time... That's when we were, Al Gore was being he was he was being a little bit douchey about it. So it was easier to attack Al Gore than it was to attack the message, and they did as comedy. But yeah, their their core belief on that changed. And why did it change? Because you can't like the science behind what is happening with climate change is basically irrefutable. The only way you can say that what's happening with climate change is not real is if you think that all of the science scientists have created a conspiracy to release false information to make you recycle. Yeah. Uh, well, so what about what I was talking about? Um. So go. Well, I'm more. I'm more interested in talking and thinking about everyday people, whether it's people around me or it's people that ask me questions on Instagram or email, or it's people that like. I mean, there are so many intelligent, capable people out there that just will live their entire lives taking what's comfortable because either that's the conditioning they have from their childhood or because they don't think they're good enough or some other bullshit. And I can't stand it when I see that. You are unique in that, in that aspect where you really feel some responsibility to help somebody change. That's why you've got this podcast. That's why you've got that brand. I am not as good of a person in that regard when somebody is dug in on a belief. And I think that I could make their life better if I could show them a different way of thinking, but I know what it's going to take for that to happen. I choose to avoid it and take the path of least resistance. Yeah, but okay, you're, you're thinking them. about politics, like in no, that kind of shit. No, 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 not specifically. I know, but it's like that might be true, but the, most of the things that I try to get people to do is to just open their mind, let go of, of their limiting beliefs, and just like believe in themselves, like things that they should want to do, right? And yeah, I feel like I have to try. I do. And I get frustrated at times and sometimes I'm more motivated and I'm sometimes more frustrated, but I'm really just, I want to figure out and maybe I need to like really, really spend a lot of time on this, but I want to figure out what I can do to help people wake up. Like obviously I recommend books. I recommend articles. I do things like that with my small group. I'm doing this with like the podcast, things like that. I'm trying to spread ideas, but I'm just like throwing a wide net and I'm going to catch like kind of the fish that are like a little bit open to being caught, but I want to figure out what can be done to get to even just open up, peel back some of the layers and make people a little bit more self-aware, right? And just open their mind a little bit to at least be able to give themselves a little bit more opportunity to just do something and be something and, and think differently, even if it's just a little bit. You know, you could talk about bias. We talk about like pitfalls we see. Maybe we should just pick out some examples of things that that either you've thought about in your life and or or used to thinking that you don't anymore, or examples of other people in your life that have done that and that have evolved or not evolved, or people that have been stuck in the same places for years, saying the same stupid bullshit. Like you know, like we all have all these examples, and I don't really know which one I really want to focus on. But I really want people 
to stop being victims of their own comfortability and their own myopic worldview. Like I want people to just expand. One of the principles that I have in life and that's actually helped me be open-minded is I consider raw dogmatic belief in anything to be wrong. You need to yeah. You need to be open to the fact that what you're thinking could be incorrect because we don't have all the information today. We don't have all the information tomorrow. In fact, if we look back at this specific podcast 10 years from now, I bet you we're going to say something that we have changed our mind on. And maybe we change our mind for the better. Maybe we change it for the worse. But we are two people that are open to changing our minds and changing our worldview. Not everybody is like that. The biggest thing in my life probably that it was that was I went to a Catholic school when I was a kid. I had been taught religion was real. Believe in God, believe in Jesus, all this stuff. And then as I got older and started to kind of do my own research and figure things out and think about things scientifically, I came to the conclusion that um, there is no higher power. I there, there was even a period of time where I was agnostic, where I might have thought that eh, there's a higher power, but maybe it's not God, maybe something else. And then I you know, went out of that, but it took, it took a long time. It took years and years and years and, and different things over my upbringing. And as I went into adulthood to think that that was a core belief that changed because I was open to change and open to, to things like that. What are some things though about life though? Like, again, I think what I'm talking about is more success, personal development, even just, you know, being willing to maybe one day quit your job and do something you love. Like, I mean, people are literally will be slaves to a job they don't like for their whole life because they think that's the only way or because, or even worse, because they have to like get a Tesla and now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're basically in a, in a rat race or whatever. Like there's just so much status quo bullshit built into our society. I just can't stand it. I mean, what about for you? Like, what are some things or people around you maybe or examples? I mean, I, for me, I guess it's like, I just know people and I've seen them over the years that still think they have to reach some point or get some kind of permission or get some kind of certification or, or go to some enough events or read enough books or whatever to somehow be worthy of something. And the second you just drop that and say, I am worthy and this is, this is my rate and this is what I'm going to do. Like for most people, the second that happens, that's the first step. But I see so many people that won't even make that step. They're like doing all these things because they think that's what they need to take the step. But all they have to do is take the damn step. It's just do it and make the decision and then go from there and figure it out and learn and grow and build and whatever. You got to have, you got any examples of that of people in your life or friends or family or even uh, what you've done? Like what are some examples of, of things that maybe you were limited mentally? Like, did you ever have that whole, like, um, like, have you ever felt imposter syndrome? Have you ever felt like you've been held back from things you could have done? I mean, are you like on the path of, self-awareness and doing new things i mean you moved to austin like it's kind of a big deal like what yeah there's there's been a lot of a lot of things that i've that probably fit that description i when you were talking there one of the things that i would think of is travel where when you tell people you should travel and experience things and they have a list of excuses prepared for why they can't do that uh, rather than a list of things they need to accomplish so that they can. Once you've decided, hey, I want to go to Europe for two months. I'm going to Europe. Yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, not that you've decided you want to, but yeah. that you you are going to do it. I promise you, you can figure it out and you can do it. It doesn't cost that much more to go there than it does to live at home. So you're saying maybe you've told people, or you've tried to get 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 them to travel with you. You you hear those kind of excuses. Or yeah, whatever. I hear those. I mean, I have a lot of friends who have, who have up and done it. Yeah. Um. You know, the last time I did a long Europe trip, I was I was uh I was there for forty five days, I think, and 
I just planned the whole trip alone. I was going by myself, and my friend Brian Goldstein joined me. He just was like, yeah, all right, I can do this. Let's make it happen. And he went. So it, you, I was just budget conscious the whole time, and, and I made sure everything fit within, and, and I traveled, and it was fine. I've, I've spent 180 days at sea on cruise ships. I've, I, I've done all that stuff, and I've done all that stuff because I just decided I wanted to do it. So Yeah, you also made a – you mentioned they make either reasons for doing it or excuses why they can't. Right. And that is growth versus fixed mindset. And I think that is probably a good thing that we could cover and give some examples of, and then we'll close with that. Because a lot of times that that is what it is. To your point about travel, like I know people that have literally never left their state. Yeah, and that probably won't ever. Or if they or they'll go one place their entire life. Yeah, they you think know? you know they think traveling to the city that's a two hour drive away. Always, is traveling. Yeah, it's always money or it's always some BS, right? It's never. I'm gonna go here, and then I'm just gonna like do what I need to do to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's like. They, they, yeah, I know well, I, it's very frustrating, but and there's another group of people that go travel and stay inside the hotel and eat inside the hotel and don't leave the hotel and they think they're traveling, but that's oh, I've story. never <laughs> experienced that. That's just weird. Yeah. But so the, the growth versus fixed mindset. So have you, are you familiar with this concept, Brent? Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar with it by name, but I, what do you think a growth familiar. mindset is? The, the growth mindset is I am uh, if I'm going to define something I've never heard the definition for before, I am going to get better at this or I'm going to do these things in a better way, a different way, rather than I can't do these things because of these limiting factors. Okay, a little bit, kind of. So stripping it down kind of away from our example, a growth mindset is about the idea that if I do something, I will get better. So it's effort equals reward and improvement. Now, with that definition being of growth, what do you think a fixed mindset is? That is, I'm already as good as I can get at something. Yeah, or I'm, or I'm already good or bad at this. Yes. And so obviously schools, have, we all have this because I was like, I'm not good at math. And then when I got out of school and I was in business and I'm like messing with spreadsheets, I'm like, I'm good at math. Yeah, or like, when you're crushing math, souls I'm poker. At, <laughs> right. And, and, but now it's like I'm good at math because I've invested a ton of time into figuring this stuff out. Yes. Right? And this is like... I think one of the biggest plagues in the school system and even, even parenting and how we like tell kids, Oh, you're just, you're naturally gifted or whatever. That's nonsense. What they tell you should say is you should always say you worked really hard at baseball and now you're really good. That's awesome. Like stuff like that. Right. You got to implant into their seed, the connection between work and progress. Now, how does this apply though to what we were talking about in personal development in life? Like, like where are some examples that you've seen in your life of people that have had a fixed or growth mindset? Well, I mean, it's kind of applied to travel because, like, yeah. that is basically th- th- those two different we, people. I mean, we can we can be very completely personal with me. When I lost weight that first time, I had never run before in my entire life, and my answer to that was, I can't run. Yep. I, I tried to play soccer. I was a goalkeeper, so I wasn't running around the the field. I was a good one, but I didn't. There wasn't a lot of running involved, and every time I ran, I got a massive stitch in my side. So I just thought there was something wrong with my body, so there was no way I could run. But I didn't research that, obviously. So the second time, I'm like, makes no sense that I'm the only one on the planet that can't run, right? So I just started researching it, and I found out why I was getting that stitch and how to fix it. And then I was able to successfully run through a 5K within, say, two or three months of making that decision. Yeah. Which, if you had told me at 18 years old, Brent, you could do this, I would have thought you were batshit insane. 
Yeah, your research allowed you to basically dispel some of your fixed mindset. Yep, and then it. and then I just got slightly better and better at, at the running situation each week. Why do you think people would be afraid of a growth mindset though? Um, status quo, probably. Like they they like things the way they are. They want to come home and watch uh, the nightly news every night. They want to come home. Well, yeah, and, comfort and routine, sure. Yeah, but. What does a growth mindset kind of imply? Like what comes with the territory? Well, they don't want failure either. So if they try to do something that they currently can't do and then fail at it, that's going to feel worse than not trying at all for some people. So they can't handle yeah, yeah. I, I, could, I guess I could the slow see that, strides. Maybe, but it's more a growth mindset implies you have to work. Yes. Like it, it's literal investment of time slash work equals result. Like that's 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 growth mindset. That's what it is, right? Fixed mindset is, I'm just good at this. So I don't even got to practice or I don't got to try or whatever, right? That's why you will never see, and it's like this conversation we had with Ebony last night, a friend of ours who is friends with Shaq, and he was like ripping on her saying, <laughs> like, like, no, you need to think like a champion. You don't, right? And he was like yelling at her because, and she'll readily admit it, because she's very limited in a lot of her mindset beliefs about certain things around what they were talking about, and my point was the reason Shaq was doing that is probably taking out on you is because he's the type of guy that everyone around him, he just sees like probably potential and he just gets pissed off that everyone is just like so lazy or, or stuck in their own whatever. And that's kind of how I feel a lot of times. Like I get frustrated when I see wasted potential because I know what any human can accomplish. Any like we're the most intelligent species in the known universe, even the dumbest of us. And we can all do things if we just focus and go and do it and believe. And you have to believe. That's why. Every champion is an eternal growth optimist. They believe it can happen. They believe in the, 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 pro, the, the process and they believe in themselves and they believe that if they just invest the time, they will do the thing. And like, I think a fixed mindset is like the current greatest sickness in our culture today. Or obesity. But then again, I guess a fixed mindset can lead to that. No, the, dude, fixed mindset. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Every time I've ever been at a coffee shop and there's been overweight people next to me, you would not believe the amount of victim mindset, fixed mindset bullshit that comes out of their mouth. It's like, <laughs> it, I'm telling you, it, it comes with the territory. Yeah. And it makes sense because people create these, these illusions about what they can or can't do, about what's easier or, or natural or not or whatever. Like it, I mean, most, most obesity, like obviously there are exceptions here is going to be a result of mindset and it's not, it might, might not be growth or fixed, but a lot of times it is, you know, people put limitations on themselves based on what they've done or based on how they grew up or whatever. Right. And like, it's hard to lose weight for, for those of you that have the fat gene. It is. And there's a lot of research that shows how you were born, how your mother ate, um, even things that happened when you were a child and in the womb, you know, like there's a lot of variables that, that either make it very hard for you to gain weight or very easy to gain weight. Mm -hmm. um, there's a ton of variables here. And so anyone that like the, you know, you get like these trainers or, or people that like kind of fat shame people or whatever, and just talk about how like, Oh, you just have to work harder and eat less. And like that kind of bullshit. No, that is not, that's nonsense. Especially with the nutrition advice that's been perpetuated in our country, like low fat, high carb, all this BS dogma that has literally been keeping people fat and sick for the past 40, 50 years. Right. Then you add that plus having the fat gene and like being hard to lose fat. Like it's no joke. Like I'm not going to pretend for a second that it's easy to lose weight, but the best way you can, the best platform you have to live the best way. And it's the reason we're doing this podcast 
is when you understand where the human animal, where it comes from, how it's designed, the first principles of biology, like we talked about hormones today, most diet books and advice and trainers and pockets, whatever, have no idea how insulin works. Insulin is the number one thing you need to understand to gain or lose fat. It's as simple as that. Gain or lose weight even, right? Like it's an internal pro. In fact, most doctors don't even know. In fact, most doctors, they understand, what was it? I think they understand, they don't understand biology, but they understand, they understand like how the certain things in the human body works, but they don't understand maybe some of the, the interplay of other things, like how food affects, you know, biology and things like that. And that's just one example. Like most doctors don't know shit about nutrition. So obviously a lot of stuff to talk about, maybe some books we can give people to recommend. Maybe, maybe we can uh, have a call to action. What do you think? Cause we're gonna have part two in this and we're gonna, the next one we're gonna do a lot of food again. Maybe we'll bring a guest on the show. Here's my call to action in this. If you liked this kind of section here about the mindset and then the rant, email us what you think you have that you can't change and why. Or email, and yeah. Colin will yell at you until you email. Can. Email some of your limiting beliefs. Email, email us like a short blurb about maybe your current situation or things that are holding you back. I get these comments on YouTube. I get we get them on our email regularly. Uh, try to keep it, you know, short. I've I've literally had people send me like six page emails, and I'm just like, you actually think I'm going to read this? Um, you know. <laughs> and again, that's just not good form. Any of you that reach out to people online, like, or just when anyone, we're processing hundreds of emails yeah, yeah. in a day, or we any, need to no, be able to read it. Quick. Well, here's the thing. Anyone that is ever reaching out to someone via email, if you want your email read, it needs to be as short as possible. Yeah. That's just like a good practice. Like these long two-page rants or whatever, or like you got to get every point out, you need to just assume every extra word you add to that email decreases the likelihood that it gets read by like, you know, double, triple, whatever, right? You could probably study this stuff. Like you probably use eye tracking software to figure out like once you hit this point, none of that gets read. Yeah. Like, so just don't write long emails. It's it's a bad thing. And actually I've had some major partnership issues in the past from writing long heated emails that I definitely should have saved as a draft and I should not have hit send. And I did hit send. And as a result, <laughs> as a result, a lot of shit happened, right? So good thing, just don't do that. Uh, so yeah, if you want to hear more about the mindset stuff or share your story, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, maybe we'll try to, take what you said. And with that little bit of information, we'll talk about a little bit. Like I want to do more episodes on mindset. We'll even get into the evolutionary biology around the ancestral mind, actually around how you think, right? Like things like why you interact with people, why we have scarcity mindset, why we're tribalistic and and naturally even can be racist at times. Why, like we talked about that in uh, show number two about, Mm -hmm. you know, how we have to be skeptical of things. Like all these things the way humans interact, the way we think, the way we argue politics, the way we we dig in when we believe something, these are all byproducts of being a human animal that evolved in nature with other humans in a small tribal setting. It literally explains everything. So we're definitely going to cover a lot of the mindset stuff. Anything to add before we wrap up? No, that was a great rant section. So the maybe, maybe what I will say at the end here is... The members of the Ancestral Mind Podcast are not nutritional advisors. We are not dietitians. Make sure you consult a medical professional that understands the world, not one that doesn't, about any changes in your diet or changes in your lifestyle if you need to. Uh, this is just our opinion. It is this presented is for entertainment, for entertainment value only. Entertainment value only. But if you do decide to... No, I'm not going to go there. It's entertainment value only. Yes. But these are things that have worked for us. And don't do dumb things. Obviously, consult your doctor. Well, I guess if you consult him and you do something and it doesn't work out, then you know maybe you can sue him. I don't know if that's what you want to do, but at least you have. Don't that. sue us though. That, <laughs> yeah. We have that disclaimer. Just so don't, well, you can't sue us. Yeah, you can't. We got a disclaimer here. So, yeah, anyways, be smart. 
and think ancestrally. And I think that is a wrap. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe. Do all the stuff. Reach out. And we're out of here. Peace.